I'm David Scandura. I'm Justice Burkett. And today we're here to find out, is The Muppet Christmas Carol the greatest movie ever made? And therefore, I'm about to raise your salary. Oh, and I am about to raise you right off the pavement right to... Welcome to The Greatest Movie Ever Made, the show where we watch a movie and tell you if it's the greatest movie ever made. Uh, waka waka waka! I almost forgot to do that. <laughs> <laughs> a movie that is so thoroughly entertaining and compelling that while you're watching it, it's the only thing that matters in the world. I'm David Scandera. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Justice Burkett, and together, we're Marley and Marley! Oh! <laughs> we uh, wear the chains we forged in life <laughs> by all of our evil deeds. This is our second family film. That is, that's true. It is the also being Rango, of course. Yes, it is also the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. I think we should try to have another family-friendly episode okay for the families out there and the kids who are listening to the show okay yeah so once again just a reminder from our rango episode when we do a family-friendly episode we're not allowed to say things like fuck or shit or piss or talk about coming damn or hell or shitting <laughs> or farting i think farting's okay yeah yeah your farting's fine you can get away with a fart farting's a pg yeah but but definitely nothing about uh um yeah coming <laughs> <laughs> no no come talk um so yeah at, at this point we've now we've illustrated the things that we won't be saying and we, we will not be saying any of those things uh for the rest of the duration of the episode yeah so from this point on the kids can tune in. Yes. Everyone gather around the fire. Get under podcast. some blankets. Uh, we're going to talk about Muppet Christmas Carol. Before yeah. we get into the film, Justice, how are you doing? I am doing well, David. I'm doing better than I was on our last record. And yeah, it's we're getting towards the holidays, uh, which is always great and um, a nice time of year for me. I'm excited uh, for the year to be over. 2023 has been pretty crazy, pretty hectic. Um, and, you know, I mean, I know the new year doesn't really mean anything, but it's it's a symbolic thing of like a resetting and um, kind of getting your yourself back on track uh, a little bit. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, uh, I've been I've been doing pretty well. Um, I'm also um, I was I think I really needed to watch this week's movie <laughs> this week um, because ever since watching Muppet Christmas Carol last night, I feel like I've been in lighter spirits. Um, and I think that that's just an effect that this movie has on me. I think this movie makes me feel good. Um, we'll get more into it when we talk about the movie. But I also think, yeah, part of the reason that I'm feeling good during this record is, is because I recently watched them up at Christmas Carol. Um, how are you do- doing, David? I am kind of bad. Uh, yeah. Um, we were talking about this off mic a couple weeks ago, how... It seems like since the pandemic, uh, every you know everyone we know, including us, just get into m- like longer periods of depression than normal. Yeah, and more frequent. Yeah, and more frequent. And for me, I'm I'm coming to notice that winter time, especially December, yeah, is having that effect on me. Mm-hmm. And I love winter, um, so it sucks. Because I love winter and I don't want to feel bad during one of my favorite times of year. So uh, this week has been kind of rough in in that regard. I've just been depressed and kind of sad. Um, there have been a few things that have, have cheered me up, which I'll talk about when we get to our media recommendations. But it's been it's been a rough time. And then on Friday, I was at the gym 
backing out in the parking lot and I just hit a parked car and the damage is minimal to both cars. I mean, the the guy was cool about it. I'm hoping that it'll be a smooth process, but it's, it's a stupid thing, but it's also fine and like normal. It's a normal thing that happens to people. And I'm finding that I have a lot of, I'm having a lot of difficulty reminding myself of that. And in general, I am just hard on myself and I have a difficulty forgiving myself for my own mistakes. Yeah. And I think if I were in therapy, I'm not currently in therapy. um, That might be something that that might help me process that reaction I have to my own failures and my own flaws and my own humanness uh, better, but I'm not, and I probably should be in therapy. uh, So, yeah, it's been a, it's been a rough week yeah. and no one was hurt. Everything was fine. It's just one of it's those just, things. It's just, it's just like another thing right. to deal with. Right. It's just one of those things. Like it's, it's like in the grand scheme of things, like a small, a small mistake, a small accident, like a, a small fuck up. Right. But those things can, when you're already in like a bad headspace, can like really weigh on you. <laughs> and I've definitely experienced the thing that you're talking about where you just like, uh like over overreact to your own failures right and just like really beat yourself up over things that like again in the grand scheme of things like aren't that big of a deal like that's definitely something i've struggled with <laughs> in the past and continue to struggle with um so if you ever want to want to talk about that uh off mic when we're not recording a podcast about uh a, a muppet film <laughs> we can talk more about it um but uh yeah i mean i'm sorry to hear that you have been have been down um but like don't be too hard on yourself because i love you our listeners love you there are people who love you and um and yeah it's 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 hard to convince yourself that you are uh worthy of um of love and that you are worthy of forgiveness both for small mistakes and big mistakes right um, and I know that just sometimes it's easier to hear it from somebody else. <laughs> so, um, also if you can, uh, go to therapy, I recommend it. Um, but also I know that like, that's not always an option because like insurance sometimes covers it and sometimes doesn't. And yeah. it's like the American healthcare system is fucked. <laughs> so sometimes it's harder to access that care than it should be. But, um, yeah, if you ever need to chat about it more off mic, I'm good for that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I've tried therapy in the past. I always tell people to go to therapy and, uh, I don't do it myself and yeah. I should. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's another flaw that I have, but like you said, uh, it's, it's money's tight right now. Health insurance is a mess in this country. So it's, it's difficult, but yeah. otherwise I'm doing okay. I watched some fun movies. We'll get to those, but I want to hear about what you've been enjoying this week. Yes. So what I've been enjoying in media lately, um, I watched a couple of movies that I really, really enjoyed. Um, one of them being another entry in the found footage, uh, recommendations, uh, found footage horror recommendations from me, um, which, uh, listeners to this podcast are going to get so tired of me talking about found footage horror movies. I liked, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I imagine my co-host is already tired of it. (laughs) Um, I watched a British found footage horror movie called the borderlands. 
Um, banger. Really good found footage horror movie. Very well made. The thing that I really like about the Borderlands, um, a couple of things are often pitfalls in the found footage uh, genre, um, which are uh, the the device itself, like justifying the found footage device, right? Um, this movie does a really good job of that. There's a very good reason why everything is being recorded at all times in this movie, and it's a very believable reason. Um, so that's already points in its favor. The other big thing that found footage often really, really struggles with, and you occasionally get like a unicorn that does it really well, like Blair Witch, but is usually a major pitfall of the genre, is character development. Um, a lot of the time, found footage characters are very stereotypical, very flat, very one dimensional. Um, I'm happy to say that the Borderlands does a very good job with its uh, kind of three main characters, developing them, distinguishing them from each other and not relying too much on tropes. Um, they seem like real, like three dimensional human beings, which makes all of the rest of the horror stuff in the movie work even better because you actually care what happens to these guys. Um, great movie, great twist ending, which I will not give away, of course, um, but highly recommend you watch uh, The Borderlands. I believe it is free on Tubi because I think that's where I watched it. <laughs> so the other movie that I watched uh, that I would recommend is uh, We're All Going to the World's Fair, um, which was a Sundance movie uh, that came out, uh, I think, in 2021. Um, kind of a drama, coming of age drama by way of a horror movie. Um, and a lot of people, I saw a lot of people talking about this movie and saying, oh, it's not really horror. It's more of like a um, like a drama, like a coming of age film. There's enough horror elements in this movie that I would straight up call it a horror movie. Um, I know not everybody agrees on that point, uh, but I as a big horror fan, this this felt very horror-y to me. There is one moment in this movie, there's a couple really disturbing, scary moments. There was one moment in this movie that literally I was watching it on my couch all alone in my living room with the lights off. And one moment happened and I was like, like climbing up the back of the couch in discomfort, trying to get further away from the screen and saying, oh no, I don't like that. I don't like that, like out loud to myself. Um, so even though it is more of a, of a drama of a coming of age film um it's also really really terrifying it's so scary is that one moment that i'm talking about is maybe the most scared i've been watching a movie this year um so big recommend for we're all going to the world's fair um i don't really want to say too much else about it because i think it's a good one to go into pretty cold on like what the movie's about and what happens in it um but suffice to say it was a five-star movie for me um i think it was a uh almost perfect film in my opinion. Uh, anything you've been enjoying in media this oh, week, Oh, they say he's got to go. Go, go, Godzilla. <laughs> oh, no. There goes Tokyo. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been seeing this on Letterboxd. Justice, I watched 12 Godzilla movies. <laughs> you fucking madman. <laughs> so I watched... So, oh, sorry. Sorry. It's family episode. You, uh, you, you flippin' madman. You, you freaking goon. You silly goose. That's so, too many Godzilla movies. Uh, it's not enough because I still have more. <laughs> there, how many How many of those are there? There are something like at least 30. That's crazy. Uh, I, think, I think at least 30 Japanese specifically. Mm, geez. Uh, and that's most of what I watched. Yeah. So I'll run through the list. I watched Godzilla 1954 last week and uh, talked about it on the show. Um. And then this week I watched Godzilla Raids Again, Mothra vs. Godzilla, <laughs> Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, 
Invasion of Astro Monster, Destroy All Monsters, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, Terror of Mechagodzilla, The Return of Godzilla, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2, which is not a sequel to Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. It's just the second movie they have called Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. And then uh, Godzilla 1998, the American one, directed by Roland Emmerich. And I have a few more to go. That's a shit ton of Godzilla's. <laughs> and it's not even all of them. I skipped around a bunch. Um, yeah, I, I got I got Zilla fever. <laughs> Clearly. Um, <laughs> You're Zilla pilled. So, so the thing was like, yeah. I wanted to see Godzilla minus one, which is mm-hmm. out right now because I heard everyone saying it was great. Yeah. But I was like, I can't walk into a Japanese Godzilla movie without having seen at least the first one. Right. Which was the same... Uh, the same justification I had for not watching Shin Godzilla, which mm. also is a, a recent Japanese one that everyone praises really, really heavily. So I was like, let's just let's just watch some Godzilla movies. And I just kind of watched some videos, did some research on the Internet, found the ones that seemed the most interesting, skipped around. So I skipped around a bit. And then I have a few more that I want to do. Um, so I just I just. Sometimes I just get obsessed with a thing. Yeah. I watch one thing and I'm like, now I need to watch everything else, regardless <laughs> of the quality. Uh, so yeah, I skipped around a bunch. There's more to watch uh, for this this little marathon. There will be more to watch later. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and give four recommendations Okay. of those uh, 12 movies. Of 12. So you're recommending one third of the Godzilla movies you I, I liked all. <laughs> I, I liked most of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is just the cream of the crop. This is like, if you want a taste of Godzilla, if you've only seen the American ones, this is a, a good intro into the Toho Godzilla universe. Um, Godzilla 1954 is a classic. It is one I would recommend to anyone who's interested in the history of film, regardless if you care about other Godzilla movies. Yeah. Like, it is worth watching uh, to anyone who wants to understand cinema. Now, if you like that and you want to watch more Godzilla movies, I would recommend Mothra versus Godzilla from 1964. This is the first Godzilla movie to feature Mothra. Mothra has her own movie, but I don't. My understanding is you don't need to watch it beforehand. This will give you a good like overview of what the early Godzilla movies were like in terms of tone. Uh, Destroy All Monsters from 1968. It's one that features tons of different monsters from this early era. It's kind of a greatest hits collection of the, uh, the Showa nice. era of Toho. Um, and then Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla too. Uh, Cause that's another one. That's kind of a greatest hits collection of, of Kaiju movies. You get a few monsters. Uh, they redo the origin of Mecha Godzilla. So it's kind of a power Rangers thing where Mecha Godzilla is created by humans to fight Godzilla and there are people pi- piloting it, and there's a school and everything. Very, <laughs> very Power Rangers, very Pacific Rim. Nice. Uh, another kind of greatest, like I said, greatest hits collection. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and I, there's some weirder ones if you want to go, <laughs> if you want to go down the rabbit hole or down the down the the Godzilla hole. That. Dude, don't go down the Godzilla hole. No. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, want, you don't want to be in Godzilla's hole. <laughs> um, Do you think Godzilla is like a like a cloaca situation where there's just one hole for everything? Like is Godzilla, is Godzilla like shitting and pissing and and also like uh, oh sorry I forgot I'm not supposed to talk about shit or piss or the other thing that I was going to talk about which is coming. <laughs> it's a family episode. It's a family episode. I was just wondering if there's one orifice for Godzilla or if those things are separate. There, I don't know. there like, has to be. I don't. I don't see a dick swinging around in any of those movies. 
It's like an internal. Well, it's uh, Godzilla is is Godzilla a reptile and amphibian? Uh, what's the? What do we think the? the Depends on the movie. I guess <laughs> he can swim and he's a reptile. because yeah. and... I don't I, like. I know like frogs just kind of like they, they just sort of kind of jizz over the eggs, but I don't think they have a dick. I think they just kind of release it. Like it just comes out like an like a hole or something. <laughs> biologists write in at uh the greatest movie podcast at gmail.com and let us know how frogs fuck (laughs) (laughs) so yes the movies i'd recommend are godzilla mothra versus godzilla (laughs) destroy all monsters and godzilla versus mecha godzilla 2 the second movie that they decided to call that (laughs) godzilla versus mecha godzilla 1 is also great but, yes, but, but two's better. There's a little bit. They're a little weird. Some of them are a little weird. My yeah. actual, other than other than Godzilla '54, my actual favorite so far is Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. <laughs> that movie rips. Uh, but it's a little weird. So, yeah. Um, let's let's stop talking about uh, giant reptiles. <laughs> let's talk about a little reptile. Let's talk about Michael Caine. Uh, let's. Little, Amphibians. Amphibian. Of, of yeah, he's a frog. Yeah. Speaking of of how frogs uh, produce offspring, how does a frog make twin pigs? <laughs> <laughs> We're about to find out. <laughs> uh, it's the Muppet Christmas Carol from 1992. The Muppet Christmas Carol, baby, tis the season to be jolly and joyous. Ba-la-la. I am. I am fully in the Christmas fever because of watching this movie yeah Uh, yeah talk to me talk to me about your we both love this movie we're both uh, this is both a childhood favorite of ours yes um but you are way deeper into the muppets than i am so talk to me about that yes so i was raised in a in a muppet loving household um i was raised on a lot of muppets content we had um the muppet show basically as soon as dvds were a thing um, which was in like my early childhood. Um, we we got the Muppet Show, the original Muppet Show from like the the seventies and eighties um, on uh, DVD. So I had the entire series of the Muppet Show. Um, I've seen every episode of the Muppet Show probably multiple times just from watching it as a kid. Um, we also owned a lot of the movies on VHS and then later DVD. Uh, Muppets Take Manhattan. Um, the Great Muppet Caper, The Muppet Movie, Treasure Island, Muppets from Space. You know, we ran the gamut. We even had, my parents had recorded some of the TV specials, um, like the the Muppet Fairy Tales, like The Princess and the Frog and stuff. Um, they had recorded some of those TV specials, like on VHS tapes. So we even had those things that just kind of aired on TV like once. Um, so... I am. I don't think I'm a Muppets completist. I don't think I've seen every piece of Muppet media that exists. Um, actually, I know I haven't because I haven't seen the new show. Um, they they brought the Muppet show back, and I haven't seen any of that. But I've seen basically through from like the 70s through the the mid to late 90s, maybe early aughts. Um, I've probably seen most of it um, and most of it multiple times because um, I was just raised in a household where my parents love the Muppets. My siblings love the Muppets. I love the Muppets. Big Muppet home. Um, the one of my one of my favorite anecdotes <laughs> about my mom um, is that when uh, she was giving birth to my older brother, who's two years older than me, um, I was born in 1992. He was born in 1990. Um, Jim Henson passed away in 1990. Um, had a, a kind of an untimely death. 
um, Jim Henson, of course, the creator of the Muppets. And uh, my mom will often say that when she was in the hospital in labor with my older brother, she was crying, like sobbing, um, because she realized that she was bringing a child into the world, into a world without Jim Henson. And that broke her heart, right? Because she she saw him as such a um, such a powerful voice for for good and for um, happiness and laughter and joy in the world um, and such a such a, a creative force um, for those things um, that it really bummed her out that she was going to be raising kids in a world without Jim Henson. That'll be me if I have a family by the time Arnold Schwarzenegger dies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. So, yeah, that's my history with with the Muppets in a nutshell is basically the Muppets are my childhood. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm just a, a I'm practically a Muppet myself. <laughs> um, I'm an honorary Muppet. Um, and uh, just a very brief sidebar here. Um, the Podmaster, total opposite. Uh, she consumed like no Muppets content growing up. And the Muppet Christmas Carol is the only Muppets thing she's ever seen because we've watched it together. And uh, last night she was like asking me who all the Muppets names were. And I knew like all of them, <laughs> like even the side, like Bean Bunny, I knew. <laughs> and Bean, Bean Bunny is not like one of the big ones. He's like, a, that's, that's more niche Muppet knowledge. <laughs> yeah, I might be leaning on you for that a little bit here because I watched this movie a lot as a kid. You know, the same. I was born the same year as you, same year that this came out. This movie is old as I am, 1992. I also watched Muppet Treasure Island a ton. I remember this more than Treasure Island. Yeah. And I'm sure we went to go see Muppets from Space. I think we did go see Muppets from Space in theaters, and that was the last Muppet thing that I watched. Yeah. But my dad loved The Muppet Show, but I don't remember ever watching it. I don't remember him ever exposing me to it, and I haven't seen it since then. Really, like, my point of context for The Muppets is Muppet Christmas Carol and to a lesser extent, Muppet Treasure Island. Yeah, the um, the show, really anything that was created during Jim Henson's lifetime. So the Muppet Show, um, and the Muppet Movie, like the first the first couple Muppet movies where um, Jim Henson was directing. Um, the thing that I will say that is different, really noticeably different, is the Muppet Show and those early Muppet movies. While they retain the kind, good natured, positive spirit that jim henson brought to it um jim henson and frank oz and those like uh original muppet crew were also kind of little freaks <laughs> <laughs> and so a lot of the muppet show especially um gets a little bit more anarchic and chaotic and um occasionally like more adult like it's never like stuff that's not acceptable for children but it is a little bit more risque um, in spots. Yeah. And in the same way as like early Looney Tunes. Yeah. Yeah. That was my understanding. Right. From and it. then, and then the, basically after Jim Henson passed away, the Muppets get a lot more, um, focused on, you know, the, the schmaltziness, the, the kind of like we're, we're talking at your heartstrings sort of thing. And they sort of leave some of that chaotic, uh, anarchic, uh, kind of ribald energy in the past, uh, by and large. Yeah. Cause this is, uh, 1992. This is directed by Brian Hansen, Jim Henson's son. Yes, this is the first Muppet thing to come out after Jim Henson passes away, and the first Muppet property uh, released by Walt Disney. Yeah, who they now own the rights uh, own the rights to this and have been doing all the recent Muppet Muppet things. So yeah. that makes that makes sense. 
Uh, it also makes sense why probably my parents showed me this and Treasure Island more so than the actual Muppet Show when I was very young. <laughs> yeah, although like I was watching the Muppet Show when I was very young because my parents were also showing me like Monty Python and the Holy Grail when I was like eight or something. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, sidebar, I went to see, uh, I saw Mon- Monty Python and the Holy Grail at someone's house like i don't think it was a friend i think it was like the son of my mom's church friends and she's like go hang out with this kid and that kid showed me in the same day like monty python on the holy grail uh and then we went to albinoblacksheep.com and watched like (laughs) peanut butter jelly time and uh like oh man uh, you know all of the early memes <laughs> yeah like early internet stuff it's just very early internet stuff yeah. and that was like i don't remember who that kid is i don't know what his name is <laughs> i don't know even even know how how i ended up at that house but well, we hope he's doing well i hope he's well he kind of <laughs> shaped me into into who i am today in yeah. some ways um oh anyway yeah uh so yeah this uh this was originally sold to abc as a tv film Disney bought it and turned it into a theatrical film. There were quite a few different actors considered to play Scrooge, including George Carlin. <laughs> that would have been a totally different movie. And you know what? What? Michael Caine's amazing in this movie. We'll talk about Michael Caine a bunch, I'm sure. Yes. I want to go to the alternate reality where George Carlin <laughs> is in The Muppet Christmas Carol. I feel like... Yeah. I feel like the movie wouldn't be as good because one of the things and I'll, I'll talk about my feelings on this at length. I am sure. But one of the things that makes this movie so good is how straight and sincere Michael Caine is playing it. And that's like not a niche opinion. Like so many people have praised his performance for being very um, like, uh, you know, measured and um, very, uh, sincere in the in this movie right um and i don't know if carlin we would have gotten i I just want to hear carlin tell the spirits to fuck off yeah (laughs) well he's not gonna be saying fuck off because it's a family film Uh, and we're we're gonna say frick off because it's a family (laughs) (laughs) um but you're right about michael caine he i have this quote um I'm going to play this movie like I'm working with the Royal Shakespeare Company. Yeah. I will never wink. I will never do anything Muppety. I'm going to play Scrooge as if it is in an utterly dramatic role and there are no puppets around me. <laughs> and that's exactly how he does it. Yes. And it uh, rocks. And it's why this movie works so well in my opinion. Well, one of the reasons why this movie works so well in my opinion. Uh, yes. Sir Michael Caine uh, acting opposite Kermit the Frog as if it's as if it's Laurence Olivier. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and that rules. Uh, it's just it's so good to see him committing this hard in this movie, in this silly movie with dancing and singing puppets. And while we're talking about Michael Caine, we should we should get into the plot. But while we're talking about Michael Caine, this is my definitive Michael Caine performance. Yes. Like when I think of Michael Caine, I think of Scrooge. Same. Uh, yeah. more more than anything else he's done, and he's done tons of great stuff. You yeah. know, worked with Chris Nolan a ton. Uh, also, Tim Curry. A lot of people will probably say Rocky Horror, but for me, Tim Curry is Long John Silver in Muppet Treasure Island. I'm right there with you. Yeah, same same for me. Um, uh, and I love Tim Curry and Rocky Horror, but first exposure to Curry was was Muppet Treasure Island for me. So that's who he always is to me. Yeah, this is also the only adaptation of A Christmas Carol I have ever seen, and I've never actually read the book. I think my parents checked the book out from the library for me because we did that a lot. We went to the library every couple of weeks, and I would always get a huge stack of books and maybe read a couple of them. (laughs) And I think I tried reading A Christmas Carol as a kid, and I was like, 
Where's Kermit? <laughs> well, I got great news for you, man, because I have seen multiple uh, t- TV and film adaptations of A Christmas Carol, as well as countless theater productions. Oh, man. And I've also read the book. Um, one of the few books that I have read, <laughs> um, it's, it's not really a book. It's more of a novella. It's quite short. Um, so, um, and in great news for you, you've seen the best one. Okay. This is the best there. And, and I, I don't think that's a divisive opinion. I think a lot of people think that, that, that the Muppet Christmas Carol is the best adaptation of the Dickens story, a Christmas Carol. Um, Personally, like, you know, the, the the book is always, of course, because it was first and because it's where all of the rest of them come from. The book is always going to be special to me. Um, I read it uh, when I was like a like a young teen for the first time. And I was just blown away by a lot of Dickens uh, prose, like just his his words are so good. Um, and uh, thankfully, one of the things that this movie, again, does very, very well is it uses a lot of straight Dickens in the screenplay you you just hear charles dickens like blocks of prose coming out of the mouth of gonzo the great <laughs> in this movie and it, it works so well it's like one of the things that works so well about it is you, you just retain that beautiful language that helps tell the story um but yeah I, no i think i think this is the best version of a christmas carol i don't think that there's one that touches the muppet version um that's out there i think i think nobody's done it better okay i'm glad we have a, a muppets expert and a christmas carol expert i got you I, on yeah. the podcast <laughs> i feel safe <laughs> yes you're in safe hands i'll guide you through this when you mentioned a christmas carol was one of the few few books you read uh another one of the few books you read is dune mm-hmm. And I'm just imagining right. a Christmas Carol on Arrakis. <laughs> See, I was imagining Muppet Doom. Dune. <laughs> everybody's a Muppet except Paul Atreides. <laughs> I think in that case, I would want to have Kyle MacLachlan as, as Paul Atreides and not Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in a Muppet scenario. Kyle MacLachlan could play off of Muppets so well. He, uh, oh, That's basically man. what he's doing in Twin Peaks because everybody acts like a Muppet. <laughs> Twin Peaks. <laughs> They're all wacky, crazy, over-the-top characters. No, on my version, uh, Baron Harkonnen is Scrooge. <laughs> Baron Harkonnen is visited by the, the ghosts of... Uh, the ghosts of Arrakis past. We'd have to make up some kind of Dune-specific holiday or go scouring in the canon to see what that would be. Oh, God. That's a different movie. Let's talk about this movie. Um, uh, Baron Harkonnen, you must cease your wicked ways. You must stop raping little boys. <laughs> <laughs> or else no one will remember you or care about you when you die. And he's like, well, I do love raping little boys. Uh, sorry. For anyone who isn't, who hasn't read the Dune books, that is all very confusing. Or as a child and listening to the family friendly podcast. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, Maybe we should just not do that. <laughs> Maybe we should just not, not ever try this again. I forgot. Because we can't help ourselves. We, we truly cannot. Um, so the Muppet Christmas Carol is a movie that we're yes. going to talk about. It opens with uh, "In Loving Memory" of Jim Henson and Richard Hunt, who was a puppeteer on uh, involved with Henson's productions, and passed away around the same time that Jim Henson did. Yeah, uh, and already tugging at the heartstrings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the 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 opening card 
uh, in memory of yeah it, it already gets me feeling feeling th- some sort of way about this movie yeah um and we get the music and i the first thing i've written down is just this town miniature yes. is gorgeous yes the the effects in this movie beyond just the puppetry but the miniatures the sets the force perspective everything they're doing in here is incredible it's so crazy how much craft and and effort uh, and and artistry was put into this thing, even just the opening credit sequence. Because yeah, the opening credits were like flying over the rooftops in this miniature. And I do want to, so I'm not going to call out every single like cool shot or amazing technical thing that happens in this movie. But to expand on your point a little bit, David, I did want to just talk about how basically in this opening, the tracking shot goes over all of the miniature roofs as the, uh, the title uh, or the opening credits are happening, which by the way, Good ass title sequence. Yeah. Really cool font. Very Christmassy, very festive, very Dickensian. And I also love when the Muppets are credited as the characters they're playing. So it's like Kermit the Frog as Bob Cratchit, you know? Um, it just immerses you in the world of the Muppets and and makes you believe that these are like real that that the Muppets as characters are are like real. And then they're actors in this movie playing a different character, you know, it's, it's just so fun. And um, Michael Caine is credited last, yes, which is hilarious. It is. <laughs> uh, well, Kermit the Frog is more famous than Michael Caine. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, so, um, so yeah, we, we get this tracking shot where um, it's like going over the miniature roofs, then it goes behind one of the roofs and then down to a street. So we've been looking at a miniature, but then after it goes behind this one roof in the miniature we're now at street level and there are human beings human actors on like this set that they've built um i don't know how they did this shot it's amazing right i don't know if they composited like if they stitched an edit together when it went behind the roof or if they just like had the miniature position somewhere where they can film it and then film the set continuously however they did it it's amazing and then there's all these people standing down on the street there's human beings and muppets and they're all um kind of chatting and moving the way that background actors do. Um, And then a cart driven by a Muppet, but being pulled by an actual real life horse walks through the middle of the shot and the camera like tracks it. And in the back of the cart, there are vegetables that are also Muppets that are also all talking and moving independently. It's and this is just for the opening. This yeah. is just for the, the first shot after the opening credits. And you think about how much time and effort and care had to, and intention had to go into just that first moment of this movie, because there's so many puppets on screen. They're all doing different things. They're all being puppeteered, right? You all are also dealing with human background actors. You're dealing with a live horse, <laughs> right? And camera movement and everything. And they, they don't make kids movies like this anymore. I was thinking about this. Uh, the kids movies, the, the the movies that I watched when I was a kid. Yeah. Star Wars, for instance. I can tell you now how they did, I would say most of the effects in that movie. Yeah. Just through learning about film, understanding how effects work. And now that I've grown up, I see the strings a little bit better. I am watching this movie last night and constantly just my hand to my forehead mouth agape how did they do that right it this that is one of the things that i love so much about about muppets media in general that that feeling i think is as intrinsic to the muppet brand 
as any of the characters are, right? I think such a big thing about something being part of the Muppets universe is that is the magic of like, you can't tell how they did it, right? It seems like these characters are just walking around and moving on their own. You know, it seems like like when you see Kermit the Frog dancing and you can see his legs. Oh, we'll talk about that. Jesus yeah. Christ. How, how are they doing that? And it's 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 part of the magic of it. It's just part of that, like this beautiful um, f- fantasy world that Jim Henson created that that I think the by and large um, has has been uh, more uh, pretty well um, continued like after his, after his passing. Right. Um, I, cause I think the people who continued work on the Muppets like understood that that's such a big part of it is like, it has to be, it has to be so fantastical and so magical that you kind of forget you're watching puppets, you know? Yeah. You have to, you really have to believe the world. You have to believe the characters. Yeah. And this movie does so much work to immerse you in this world. And this opening is incredible. Yeah. There, there are dozens of, Muppets and humans on screen in multiple shots. Yeah. And that, that like amazing technical stuff like that continues throughout the rest of the movie. I'm not, I'm not going to call out like every single time it yeah. happens. I we'll, just wanted we'll to be here really, all day. Yeah. I wanted to just go really deep on one of them just to illustrate how well crafted this movie is. Yeah. Um, we are introduced to Gonzo who's playing Charles Dickens and Rizzo the rat who's just playing Rizzo. Yes. Um, <laughs> Rizzo the rat as himself. <laughs> this dynamic is my favorite thing about this movie. Yes. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Michael Caine's great. Kermit the Frog, amazing performance. I love uh, Gonzo and Rizzo going back and forth in this. Yes, it's it's such good. It's such good comedy. Um, it plays really well for it plays as well for kids as it does for adults. I was laughing my ass off. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah. And, and and Gonzo and Rizzo as characters are just both like so fun and so funny. <laughs> uh, and and I, I I'm unfortunately not familiar with all of the voice actors and puppeteers, but whoever is is voicing Gonzo, Gonzo has a lot of lines from A Christmas Carol and the the voice actor sells them just as well as he sells the comedic Muppet dialogue. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So Gonzo and Rizzo are narrating. Of course, the first thing that happens in a Christmas Carol is we meet Ebenezer Scrooge and we do that in one, the first of just wall to wall, absolute gosh, darn bangers. (laughs) (laughs) This, uh, this, this Dutch angle Oh yeah, of, of of Scrooge coming around the corner because because Gonzo is like Gonzo is narrating the events of this movie as an omniscient narrator. He also occasionally interacts with other characters yeah. in the film, um, but he narrates Scrooge comes around the corner. This can't this Dutch angle of Scrooge, Michael Caine in a top hat, big cloak and a cane. We haven't actually seen his face yet coming around the corner is one of the best character introduction introduction shots of all time. Yes. Especially for me as a child, like it's this and Darth Vader in, in star Wars. Yeah. Like coming on, coming on the ship. ship. Yeah. Uh, Uh, yeah. And and the music is so it's, it's dark and it's whimsical and it's fun. Yeah. Um, this, uh, this song where all the Muppets are singing about Scrooge. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking about Prince of Egypt because the first song in that is deliver us, which is also dark and kind of a banger is 
is that just how you open a kids musical is with like a darker song that also just rips? I, I think so. At least it was in the nineties, <laughs> right? Um, Muppet Treasure Island kind of starts with a, with a similarly kind of like dark ominous banger of an opening song as well. Um, yeah, no, I, this, the song is so good there. It's, it's the, um, the, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch style song where basically it's the full ensemble cast just singing insults about Scrooge. <laughs> <laughs> and, and as the song continues, everyone starts following him throughout the street, yeah. through, through, through the streets. And it ends with basically everyone surrounding the entrance to his business, singing about what a terrible piece of shit he yes, is. Every day, in every way, Scrooge is getting worse. <laughs> as he's trying to unlock his door, they're just shit talking. Yes, which, which similarly to how I feel towards the Grinch I do sort of get Ebenezer Scrooge not liking anybody because they are all singing a song about how terrible he is I'm like yeah I wouldn't like anybody in this town either they all think I'm a huge piece of shit um but I guess uh, you know chicken and the egg he was probably rude to them first um also in this in this scene but also like multiple times throughout the movie we we see so many background Muppets in this movie there this thing is packed full of Tons of Muppets. Yeah. Are, are are a lot of these invented for this film specifically? Yes. Not many of these Muppets are not recurring Muppet characters, especially like just the background ones singing songs. Almost all of those are just unique to Muppet Christmas Carol. Okay. But I did want to call out some of the ones who are unique to Muppet Christmas Carol. Some of the background Muppets are um, truly hideous, disgusting little freaks. <laughs> <laughs> and, and one of the ones that weirdly got me when I was watching, like weirdly stuck out to me when I was watching this movie last night is there are horse Muppets. In addition to live horses, there are also horse Muppets in this version of London. And the horse Muppets have the most disgusting, crooked, janky British teeth you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was very much giving well at least our schools <laughs> to me <laughs> i was like oh those are british ass horses <laughs> it's like <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh it was just very funny to me that the that the horses pitch looking lovely today lads <laughs> <laughs> right the horses should have been voiced by ray winston <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Mr. Scrooge in it. <laughs> it's just a bunch of extras from a Guy Ritchie movie. Oh God! <laughs> but yeah, so um, so uh, uh, Scrooge turns around and delivers uh, a classic humbug. Um, the uh, townspeople clear off. He goes into his office, and uh, we meet here uh, Scrooge's employees, uh, which of course includes Bob Cratchit. If anyone is familiar with the Christmas Carol, you know how the story goes. Um, but in this version, because it's the Muppets, there's also just a ton of rat bookkeepers who are very funny. Um, and I like that Kermit as Bob Cratchit is kind of like their union rep. <laughs> He's like the, the guy who has to ask the boss for things while they all kind of like stand in the background being like, yeah. I like this gag where Gonzo is uh, trying to see through the the window of Scrooge's business and he just picks up Rizzo and uses Rizzo's body to wipe the window off. Yes, and Rizzo goes, thank you for making me a part of this. Uh, so much good back and forth between the two of them. Um, yeah, so uh, obviously the the thing in a Christmas the thing at the beginning of a Christmas Carol uh, Mr. Scrooge is being uh, you know uh, shitty and uh, stingy to everybody he meets right um, he's he wants Bob Cratchit and his bookkeepers to work harder he doesn't want to give him coal for the fire uh, he's there's uh, um, 
folks who come looking for donations for the poor and needy, which in this version is uh, Dr. Bunsen, Honeydew and Beaker. I have a I do have a note, I, a, a line item in my notes that literally just says Beaker. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I think that suffice to say Beaker is one of my favorite Muppets. It's literally just Beaker with a period <laughs> in my notes. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I love Beaker. Uh, and um, I love this scene with with Honeydew and Beaker trying to get um, Mr. Scrooge to give a donation. Um, he's like being very threatening and intimidating <laughs> to them. This is where we get the like, are there no prisons? Are there no poor houses? Um, Scrooge is basically just saying that people who can't afford to pay their rent should die in the street. <laughs> what, one thing I noticed watching this on my my parents dvd for the first time because when i was a kid we watched this on vhs and we wore out that vhs tape with how much i watched it yeah uh michael kane has silver teeth has a couple silver teeth in in his in, in this movie oh yeah uh scary yes <laughs> i'm glad i didn't see that in h in in, in 720p yeah. as a child would have been terrified as a child of his his gleaming silver teeth <laughs> um but yeah uh also here we meet scrooge's nephew fred who to to be fair to scrooge if fred was my nephew I would also be pissed off at this smug little weirdo. Fred is Fred is like <laughs> just the the most punchable British person I've ever seen. Yeah. Aside from like, I don't know, Boris Johnson or something. I'm just like, <laughs> what are you so happy for, man? Which I know is Scrooge's point. Merry Christmas. I, I'm just like, that. get that shit out of my fucking face, man. <laughs> <laughs> practically clicking his heels together as yes. he I'm as like, he walks okay, in i appreciate that you're excited for the holiday but can you chill out please <laughs> i do not need this level of energy right now um but yeah so uh yeah uh, uh fred gives gives honeydew and beaker some money and and leaves and then eventually honeydew and beaker get turned out um uh, by scrooge without a donation um, I, I do love, uh, Bunsen, Honeydew's last kind of delivery here where, uh, like Scrooge is like shoving him out the door and he's like, I think we've taken enough of Mr. Scrooge's time. And Beaker just does like a me, 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 me. <laughs> Cause that's what he does. That's, that's just how Beaker speaks. Um, and then after that, there's a caroler. <laughs> at the door which is this is bean bunny that's the muppet's name okay um he's like this adorable little caroler and he's singing like good king wenceslas and and there's a wreath that nephew fred has left behind and initially uh initially scrooge is just trying to get rid of this caroler he's just like trying to uh um, get him off his stoop. So he just slams the door in his face. But then he opens the door because he's had another idea, which is to chuck the wreath. Yeah, Scrooge throwing this uh, bunny made me laugh <laughs> so hard. Um, uh, and yeah, so then uh, Scrooge uh, like finishes up work from the day and is heading home. Uh, Bob Cratchit and the um, the the bookkeepers close up shop here. And we get another song. We get Kermit the Frog singing, which uh, is just that's that's immediately how to prime me to sob. Yeah, it's, <laughs> um, it's this, one more sleep till Christmas, which yeah. uh, 
has stuck in my it's been stuck in my head almost every christmas since i watched this movie it's just always it's always the way i think about christmas yes. on christmas eve it's like it's oh well, to be one more joy, sleep till christmas yes. yeah um wow my kermit is bad um <laughs> anyway um and so yeah th- this fun little musical number uh where they're closing up the shop and then they're like or he's walking home with um like the the bookkeeper rats and they they come across like some penguins who are ice skating yeah there's a great blend of uh there's some stop motion here for yeah. like a wide shot and then um I, another one of these things that i just don't know how they did where they have gonzo sliding around with, with rizzo on on his hat and then rizzo just falls into a barrel yes yeah and then when you get the shot of rizzo in the barrel his little foot's tapping so it's like a full body puppet of rizzo there it's just like it's so again like just the craft here is insane just for like the smallest little things um uh, yeah scrooge arrives home um okay the, so then we have the this is the the door knocker yeah the door knocker this shit's did this scare you as a kid yes this scared me so bad as a yes kid. and i am happy to report it's still the effect still looks good oh my it, god it's so good it holds up yeah yeah so like scrooge goes up to his door knocker and it morphs into the head of i believe waldorf there's because statler and waldorf are marley and marley um as big of a muppet fan as i am i do sometimes mix up yeah, which I, one's statler and which one's waldorf. i don't know which is which i'm pretty sure it's waldorf's head that is the door knocker it's it's the, the the bald one that doesn't have a mustache yes yeah, yeah. there's one with a mustache and one without <laughs> yes um and so morphs into his head and he goes screw and uh michael kane uh gets the the poo poo scared out of him <laughs> um but then brushes it off with a quick humbug um and oh, quick quick side about yeah, the word yeah, yeah, humbug yeah. this is an actual word like dickens didn't invent this i do you know i've only know. heard humbug in the context of a christmas carol and scrooge yeah I like know. i don't think anyone else on earth has ever said the word humbug <laughs> um yeah it's it's definitely something i've only heard in the context of a christmas carol it it's possible that it was just kind of a term at the time that he was writing and it's been immortalized in his writing but otherwise mostly lost i don't know i don't know it sounds great coming out of michael kane's mouth though yes every time he delivers the hell out of a I'm back. <laughs> um, Sir Michael Caine. Uh, Sir Mike O'Kane. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, Scrooge, Scrooge walks upstairs. Um, I like this scene where he's he's paranoid uh, and attacks his dressing gown yes. with a cane. Which, by the way, this was totally the vibe that I moved through my house with after watching Skinamarink for the first <laughs> of time. Of course. <laughs> I was like, go- literally going to attack my bathrobe because I was like, it's the skin. I've been Skinamarinked. <laughs> <laughs> he he gets in his his honk shoe pajamas with his little his little cap with the with with the with the tassel on the end yes and uh eats his dinner which is a plate of like half a loaf of bread and a huge piece of cheese like an enormous piece of cheese (laughs) it really struck me for the first time watching it how how much cheese he is eating for dinner (laughs) uh this this bell starts ringing Mm -hmm. i'm not sure what the bell was is that like the doorbell the bell so this is a thing from the dickens story okay where basically i i don't i think the bell is 
because Scrooge lives, he's miserly, so he uh, he's a penny pincher, so he doesn't have a lot of amenities in his house, but he still lives in a big house. And I think the purpose of the bells is for servants, but Scrooge is too stingy to pay for any servants. But I think the point of the bells in a house like this is to like call your servant when you need something. Um, so I think that's why the bell is there. Um, but this is a thing from the Dickens story where when the ghost of Jacob Marley is about to appear, all of the bells in Scrooge's house start ringing and it becomes like cacophonous. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a very scary way for a ghost to enter and it's scary in the Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah. Like it's, it's eerie and tense. And then the fire dies like almost immediately after the bell ringing, mm. um, this roaring fire that he's sitting at, she just dies. And then, uh, Statler and Waldorf appear as pop, pop up from his staircase. Yeah. yeah uh, ghostly, ghostly Statler and Waldorf as Marley and Marley. Yes. Um, I cannot believe that in the, in, in the movie that does not exist prior to this one. Yeah. That Michael Caine, as, Sir Michael Caine <laughs> as Ebenezer Scrooge would be in a, would be business partners with Statler and Waldorf as Jacob and Robert Marley. Yes. They are a little goofy. Because <laughs> I think they would get on his nerves so quick, quickly. Yes. Um, and yeah, so so Statler and Waldorf here as Marley and Marley sing their Marley and Marley song, which, okay, this scene and this song specifically, 10 out of 10, perfect, no notes. Best scene in, okay, best song in the movie. Probably. I. This is either tied or right below another one for me that we yeah. haven't gotten to yet. Okay. Um, but I, I love Marley and Marley. And I think watching it as an adult, uh, I, f this is the first time I've really like actually heard the lyrics and, and understood what the lyrics were about. Yeah. And it's just about them being evil, greedy money lenders and like ruining people's lives. Yes. There's a, there's a moment that landed so much harder for me as an adult than it ever did as a kid, which is there's like a, like a, um, bit of interstitial dialogue while they're in the middle of the song and uh the, marley and marley are recounting um how one time they evicted a full a whole orphanage of children and the, they were the the other one i think it's jacob marley says like don't you remember when we evicted all of the, that whole orphanage and he's like yeah i remember they were all sitting out in the cold with their little frostbitten teddy bears and then they do like a like a statler and waldorf oh, laugh <laughs> and then they both stop laughing and go right and, I, and it hit me so well as an adult like i laughed at that moment but i was also like this is like kind it's so dark because like their souls are damned to wander the earth <laughs> in shackles because of uh, because of shit like this and it's like i was reading a i can't take full credit for this because i was reading a letterbox review that somebody else wrote but they were basically saying that like christmas carol in general just the story of a christmas carol is sort of a um like a nice fantasy or those of us who are not top 1% rich. Sure. Right? That that there is a possibility that somebody who is that filthy wealthy and and isn't using that money to help better the world, right? It's a fantasy that a person like that could turn it around and could actually start helping people. And the reason it's a fantasy is because that never actually happens, right? All of those people just hold onto the wealth and hoard it and don't use it for anything other than like personal gain and generating more wealth. Right. And 
And the point of the person that this person was making in their letterbox review was that the Muppet Christmas Carol kind of does a better job than any other adaptation of a Christmas Carol at telling that at spreading that message Mm -hmm. at, at giving us the fantasy of like, yeah, what if rich people like felt guilt and were like accountable for their actions and changed because of it. Right. And that moment in the Marley and Marley song, like it really stuck with me where I was like, yeah, I kind of wish that that's like how Jeff Bezos felt. You know, like, well, and, and Michael Caine said that he based his performance of, of Scrooge on Wall Street bankers like he's playing yeah. Scrooge as a person on Wall Street and with how cartoonishly evil he is in the beginning and how, you know, exceedingly repentant and guilty he is at the end. Um, it's such a it's such a huge it's such a huge difference. and it's a great arc that he sells so well. Yeah. Um, but it also reinforces that fantasy, that fantasy element to the story where it's, it's like, what if, what if that evil cold hearted bastard who threw people out into the, into the streets during the winter? Yeah. Uh, could, could change it all. Right. What if those guys had souls? Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, <laughs> getting this? a little getting a little intellectual about Marley and Marley, but I think that's fine. I don't think that's I don't I think, think the that's film welcomes it. I yeah. think I think we should need we need to expose the kids to these ideas early. Yes. While um, while they're growing up. All the right. kids that are listening to our podcast where <laughs> all the children where we talked about family friendly episode. Godzilla's cloaca. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but yeah Marley and Marley uh, banger banger of a number love the little lockbox boxes that are singing along yeah i love the chains that start ra- like appear and start wrapping around scrooge like he's in a hellraiser movie yes yeah it is very hellraiser <laughs> jesus wept. your christmas cheer will be legendary <laughs> even in hell we have marley and marley have such sights to show what if, what if staller and waldorf showed up and we're like we have such such sights to what show if, you what if Ebenezer? what if this was the hellraiser muppet christmas carol <laughs> It's just the same movie, but Pinhead is, is there too. <laughs> they tear him limb from limb. No! <laughs> Butterball's just in the background, hanging out, a little Christmas hat on. Muppet Butterball. Though. Like, they're all Muppets. Like, <laughs> Pinhead's a Muppet too. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so then at the, end of, at the end of the Marley and Marley scene, it's the classic Jacob Marley thing. You're going to be haunted by three spirits. Expect the first ghost when the bell tolls one. All that jazz. Scrooge goes to bed. Uh, we have a brief little gag here of Rizzo and Gonzo trying to get around to the back of Scrooge's house and uh, <laughs> Rizzo jumping the fence and Gonzo doesn't catch him and he just lands on his face in the, in, God in the snow. God save my little broken body. And then uh, Rizzo, Rizzo and his fucking jelly yeah, beans. He's, he's got a oh, bag of jelly beans. He has to go back for his jelly beans. And he just goes through the fence. <laughs> he just fits through the fence. And Gonzo's like... you. you you could fit through that the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Gonzo's, you are such an idiot. <laughs> uh, um, and then the ghost of Christmas past shows up. Um, this thing is the stuff of nightmares. It is the, okay. So in a, in a movie that contains the ghost of Christmas yet to come terrifying in its own right as a, as a puppet, this thing is way scarier. <laughs> yeah. It, it looks, uh, you know, watching it on VHS compared to, uh, now 
held up way better back then. Yeah. Uh, it, this is maybe the roughest looking puppet that I can think of in the movie. Yeah, I mean, there's like some digital effects, like some CG effects happening with this thing to to make it all glowy and stuff, I think. Yeah, there's something going on. Yeah, it's... Uh, I didn't think it looked bad necessarily, but I definitely think the uncanny valley element is heightened by seeing it in like good resolution. Yeah, I think I think as a kid, I didn't know what it was. Right. And now it's more clear that it's sort of a floating baby head. Yeah. In in uh, glowing white, uh, like a glowing white sheet. Basically, it's it's like a sheet ghost, except you can see its face and its face is like the head of like a baby doll. Yeah, Um, it is. Very, very unsettling. However, very accurate depiction to how the Ghost of Christmas Past is depicted in the Dickens okay. book. I thought so, you were about to say you wanted to fuck the Ghost no, of Christmas oh, no, Past. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually, no. I would probably be the, of the two of us, I would probably be the person most likely to say something <laughs> that unhinged on this show. True, true. <laughs> uh, no, no. It's it's uh it's pretty it's pretty um uh accurate to the to the Dickens story. Basically the way it's described in the Dickens story is the Ghost of Christmas Past is kind of like floating and ethereal and you can't really tell whether it is an extremely old person or uh like a infant right okay um that's the idea the whole idea in the in the story and i think that the the muppet version of it captures that kind of otherworldly like this is some, i'm looking at something youthful but there's also something like ancient about it um so even as as freaky and uncanny as it is i do think the design actually is highly informed by like the dickens text and i appreciate it on that level yeah <laughs> yeah they uh they fly into the past and uh Gonzo and Rizzo attach a rope on his Scrooge's, Scrooge's leg and f- f- hang on and follow them into the past. Yes, another great shot of those miniature rooftops here. Still looks great. Um, yeah, and then they go into the past, and uh, we're, the first place we go is Scrooge's school. Right? Yes. Um, we see Scrooge like as a young boy. Michael Caine's performance is so good in this movie. One of the moments where I like didn't cry, didn't feel myself tearing up, but was definitely feeling like just like my my chest clenching with like how much this performance was affecting me was in this scene in the schoolhouse where um, the the ghost of Christmas past past asks Scrooge, uh, do you know this? Do you know this boy? Do you know this child? And he says, oh, yes, spirit. Very well. Very well, indeed. Um, and just his face when he delivers that line, he's he, there's so much like longing and pain there that is like he's not putting it into the line necessarily. Yeah. Um, he's just it's just reading on his face. And I was like, man, what an actor. What a what a performance this is. Like, yeah. it's just uh, it's he's just communicating so much in this performance. And I just love it so much. And the uh, the kid kid Scrooge is focused on his studies and his schoolwork yeah. while all the other kids are going out and playing. It's, you know, Christmas Eve, but he's the only one in school um, working uh, what a nerd. <laughs> yeah. What, what a, a what nerd. A dork. Um, and we get like a little montage here of basically this happens like every Christmas, right? Yes. It's that we see Scrooge grow up yeah. on Christmas. Um, and Sam, the Eagle is playing the headmaster and yes. he delivers, uh, one of the jokes that I remember as a, <laughs> like that I still remember from when I saw this as a I know kid. Which joke this is um, be. so, so Sam, Sam, the Eagle, the headmaster is, uh, is kind of shepherding Scrooge into the world of business. Um, business. 
You will, you, you will love business. <laughs> it is the American way. And then Gonzo, one of the few moments where Gonzo actually interacts with another character, as as Dickens whispers into his ear. It is the British way. <laughs> yeah, that joke always gets a laugh for me too. Uh, yeah, and and so. Um, Oh, at the end of this scene, because basically like, uh, yeah, Sam the Eagle is basically just telling him, like, go out and make your fortune. Um, and uh, that's sort of the end of the schoolhouse movement. There is a funny joke at the end of this scene, uh, which is like blink and you miss it. Like it's like um, barely thrown in as we're transitioning to the next scene in the past. Um, Sam the Eagle is giving young Scrooge advice. And the last thing he says is, remember, don't tip the driver. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was very funny. Um, and then from there we go to uh, Scrooge is now an apprentice um, at uh, Fozzywig's rubber chicken factory, <laughs> <laughs> which is just uh, what the delightful little Muppet twist on this. Um, and it's their Christmas party. Uh, Fozzywig is of course Fozzie bear who is my favorite Muppet. Uh, I, I love Kermit the frog. Um, Kermit the Frog. Nothing will make me cry more reliably in this world than just Kermit the Frog uh, ha having an emotional moment in a movie. Um, that being said, Fozzie Bear has always been my favorite Muppet. Um, as something of a hack comedian myself, <laughs> <laughs> somebody who is is interested in making people laugh but um, isn't good at it, as listeners to this podcast <laughs> will already know. Um, I, I relate to Fozzie Bear and I love him very much. Um, he's not in this movie very much, but he's my favorite Muppet. So um, he's he's Mr. Fozziewig. This is his his company and his his holiday party. Yeah, this is another great scene of of just tons of 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 muppets on screen yeah uh and so many great visual gags to look at so many easter eggs if you're a muppets fan uh the swedish chef is doing the catering yep dr teeth and the electric mayhem are the house band <laughs> uh and statler and waldorf as the marleys are in a booth cracking jokes like they are in the show right yeah like like they're in like their box in the theater yeah yeah, yeah. um my god my favorite uh, I had to write down one Statler and Waldorf joke where uh, Fozzie says, it's a tr tradition for me to make a little speech. And Statler and Waldorf go, it's a tradition for us to take a little nap. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, this is where we meet Belle, who yeah. is played by Meredith Braun, who is uh, mostly known for musical theater work, uh, where she meets Scrooge for the first time. Um, and Michael Caine Scrooge gets very emotional at this. Yeah. And, um, the, the ghosts of Christmas past knows that there are other Christmases that they've shared together and Scrooge doesn't want to see that. Yes. Please spirit. Do not show me that Christmas. Uh, again, just the, uh, all of these line deliveries from Kane. I'm just like, man. Yeah. Uh, um, Yeah. And so there's a fun little fun little dance here at the Fozziewig party. Yeah, some fun fun music that yes. uh, we, you know it's it's nice and pleasant, and then Animal goes crazy on animal the drums, wailing those just beating the hell out of those skins <laughs> on the drum kit. Um, uh, when we, when we were watching this last night, uh, the podmaster was asking me the Muppets name and names, and I was like, "That's Animal." And then uh, he started playing the drums all crazy, and she was like, "I don't know if I like him." <laughs> animal was a little intense. For the podmaster. Um, but then um, from here, we then go to the next Christmas with, or another Christmas with Belle, right? 
Um, this is, I don't know where you watched this, David, um, for this. Yeah, we should, we should talk about this scene. Yeah. Um, this is where Scrooge and Belle break up. Mm -hmm. As a child, I always remember there being a song. There's a song here. It's one of the longer songs in the, in the movie. Love is gone. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's called when love is gone. Um, this was actually cut from the theatrical version. Mm Mm-hmm. It was inserted back into the movie on VHS. Yep. And then I was watching it last night on this old DVD that my parents bought, probably when they first transitioned all their VHS movies to DVD. Um, There was an option to watch an extended cut in full screen and the theatrical cut in widescreen. And I just picked the theatrical cut. And there was no song here. Yeah. And the song has actually been... Only recently re-edited back into the film on on streaming services services and stuff, but it was hard to track it down for a while. Um, and then I went back after I watched the movie and watched that song specifically on the the full screen extended cut that's on that DVD. Yeah, and that full screen extended cut just looks like they ripped it from a VHS. Like it's still grainy and and, <laughs> and like the quality of the image is much worse than the the DVD version. Right. Um. How do you feel about, okay, two questions. How did you feel about this song as yeah. a child? And how did you feel about it now? Yeah. So as a kid, I feel like I was sort of, I didn't dislike this song, but it's the only song in the whole movie that doesn't have any Muppets singing. <laughs> um, and it's sad and emotional and not fun. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a, a breakup song. Right. Um, and so as a kid, like, I definitely, I don't think I disliked it, but it wasn't by any means my favorite part of the movie. Um, or even a part that I would, uh, put, put in top five parts of this movie. Right. Um, as an adult, I think it's, it's kind of grown on me. It's really sad. I, I can honestly, with this song, I can take it or leave it. I don't think it harms the movie removing it. But I also don't think that having it included uh, lessens the kind of total experience here. Um, I think it's just kind of two different ways to um, to experience this movie. And I think both of them are equally valid. And I think the song's good. Um, But even as an adult, like even though I've gained some appreciation for it, it's probably still not a highlight and I'm okay losing it. You know, how do you feel about it? Uh, So as a child. Yeah. um, I hated this oh really um i i completely forgot how little of bell we see in this movie i remember bell taking up a big part of the movie and i think i think that's because this sequence dragged on for an eternity as a child <laughs> right. for me it, there's it, no muppets Where's there's Kermit? no muppets well and it's just <laughs> it, Fozzie Bear? uh it, it's like cheer up charlie in charlie and the chaka factory where charlie's mom is singing as charlie runs home mm. and it's just like this is as a kid, it's the same feeling I have as an adult watching Skylar White sing Happy Birthday, Mr. President to Ted Beneke in Breaking Bad. <laughs> I feel like, like <laughs> I feel like I'm strapped down like Alex in a clockwork orange, just forced <laughs> to watch this. Being held open by toothpicks. <laughs> yeah. Um so that being said, re-watching it, it worked a little bit better for me, but I have notes. Yeah. Uh I think it is too long. I think the version in the movie is too long. It is like four minutes. It's one of the longer songs in the, in the, in the, on the soundtrack. Um, 
and the tune is good. The, they reprise the melody at the end, which was why Brian Henson wanted it in the movie. Yeah, because the reprise it, definitely works better yeah. emotionally. Like it hits better emotionally that it is a reprise if you've heard the original. Yeah. Yeah. And the um, Meredith Braun, her vocal performance is technically very good. It is also very much. Um, I am a person for musical theater performance. Right. It is. Yeah. She's is really leaning into a lot of those syllables and, yes. and, and it's just, she's trying to put on the show and I don't like it for this type of song. And it's also hard because all of the other voices that she's the only one who's not a Muppet who, who's saying, or is the only non Muppet song. Her voice is also the only like classically good one. Yeah, it's true because like all the Muppets kind of have goofy Muppet voices. Yeah, and then when Michael Caine sings at the end, he's not. No disrespect to Michael Caine or his performance in this movie. He's not singing well. Right. <laughs> he's. It's not. He doesn't have a particularly strong singing voice. Right. But a lot of it that he lacks in like technical ability, he's making up for in emotion. Right. Right. But. On the positive side of things, there is one sequence where she walks out onto this little bridge in this like this this uh, this wooded area that they're they're in, and there's snow everywhere. She walks out to the bridge, and it's one continuous shot of her singing like a climactic moment in the song. And Michael Caine walks onto the bridge and behind her, kind of looking down at her, and yeah. you know that he can't interact with her. She doesn't know that he's there. It's just a memory. And he starts singing along with her yes. and he starts crying. Yeah. I should have mentioned this. And this transitions to that reaction shot of her walking away and him crying and, 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 and pleading with the ghosts of Christmas past. That part is some of Michael Caine's best acting in this whole goddamn movie. So if this were like two minutes as opposed to four, right. And we had that, that long, uh, long shot at the end of him breaking down. Um, I think it would be great. I yeah. think it would have it would have worked a lot better and made more sense in the uh, in the original cut. Yeah. Than just taking it out entirely or having the longer version. Yeah. Um. So I'm glad we touched down on that. Yes. Um. So so without the song with with or without the song, right? Uh. The the breakup happens. Um. Scrooge is crushed. Uh. Emotionally, this is the saddest thing that's ever happened to him. We we get the impression. Um. And apparently, we should mention that like Scrooge loses her because Scrooge is so focused on 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 work, making money, and making yeah. money. Yeah. He's more in love with, and this is again straight from the Dickens uh story. Um. It's it, the reason that she breaks up with him is is that he loves money more than he yeah. loves her, and she can tell. His philosophy is, in fact, fuck bitches, get money. <laughs> it's true. Um. But that doesn't work out very well for him. That doesn't uh, doesn't lead to a lot of happiness in his life. And apparently the rest of his past just has nothing worth revisiting. in it. <laughs> because this is like, It's like, well, you were a you were a kid. You went to school. You had no friends. Then you uh, then you were an apprentice at a rubber chicken factory. You went to one fun party one time where you met a girl and then she broke up with you. And that's the that's the extent to which your past has mattered. Goodbye. <laughs> um, so Scrooge wakes back up in his in his room um, and. Uh, Ghost of Christmas Past has left. We then get uh, the next spirit, uh, which, uh, you know, anyone who knows anything about uh, Western culture or literature, literature or Christmas in any regard will know is the Ghost of Christmas Present. Um, this is uh, a Muppet that was, again, cre all three of the spirits were Muppets that were created yes. specifically for the movie. They're not uh, Muppet characters playing um, these roles. It's just original Muppets um, and the ghost of Christmas present uh, makes his entrance as a 
huge head in a doorway. <laughs> um, I, all three of the, the spirits um, design is amazing in this movie, I think. Um, yes. I think Ghost of Christmas Past is my least favorite just because it is kind of like visually like the jankiest, right? Like we already talked about. Um, but uh, Christmas Yet to Come is probably my favorite. But really, really close to, to Yet to Come is the Ghost of Christmas Present. I love this character design. Yeah, he looks, uh, the, the design is great. He is a guy in a suit at one point and yeah. still fully articulated and the mouth moving and everything. Yeah, pretty sure uh, the, the head is still being puppeteered even yeah. when he's a guy in a suit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think he, I think he changes sizes. So like when he pokes, he, he when he pokes his head through the doorway, he's, he's like massive. huge. Yeah. And then he shrinks down to a, a slightly smaller, like probably like six or seven feet. Yes. And uh, then later on, he shrinks even more because we see him in a mouse hole with a family of mice. So he gets <laughs> tiny. Um, but yeah, he he does the the you know the classic ghost of Christmas present. Come in and know me better, man. Um, which uh, the podmaster was saying, <laughs> she was like Shakespeare ass dialogue, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, well, Dickens, he was writing a couple hundred years after Shakespeare, but you know, he probably had his influences. <laughs> yeah, I think this this dude knows how to. I want to party with this oh, guy. Yeah. That's the Ghost of Christmas Presents whole vibe is you just this this guy brings the good times. Yeah, this he's the guy you want to hang with. Um, he's the guy that makes your Christmas party fun. Right. Um, and yeah, he takes Scrooge out into the the streets and we get what is probably we ta I talked about how Marley and Marley is either tied with this song or right behind it. We get what is probably my favorite song in this movie. If if it's not a two-way tie with this and Marley and Marley, which is the, the ghost of, uh, of Christmas presents. Uh, it feel, it feels like Christmas. Yeah. This song is so good. It is 10, again, 10 out of 10. Perfect. Should have won the Academy award for best original song that year. <laughs> I don't know what won, but this should have. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a great song uh moreover i think it's a great sequence again with just tons of great puppet effects and and sets and miniatures and all that stuff yeah um what one of the things i i love about this movie is it is a blend of so many great filmmaking special effects techniques that yeah. we don't use anymore right yeah it really is like a like a, a towering achievement in the world of of practical effects work and yeah it's there's there's so much on, yeah, so much artistry on display here from from forms of filmmaking art that are, uh, if not dead, at least like much more niche now. Yeah, um, I like the part towards the end of the song where uh, the ghost of Christmas present starts doing his little dance. Yeah. And then Scrooge starts doing the little dance along with him. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's that's his transition into uh, being not such a, a miserly decrepit vile piece of shit yes yeah i i this sequence is so good um the whole time that they're that they're going through uh like london um they goes to christmas present and scrooge they're basically just like visiting a bunch of christmas parties um they're like yeah going into the little mouse hole with the family of mice visiting their christmas party and everywhere they're going the ghost of christmas present just by being there is just making everybody feel joy and cheer and making everybody happy. Um, so yeah, by the end, even Scrooge starts getting into it. Yeah. yeah. After the song, we uh, teleport to Fred's Christmas party. Yes, nephew, insufferable nephew Fred. 
uh, and they, they start playing yes and no. Um, how about a game of yes and no? <laughs> okay, so two of Fred's guests, by the way, at are his dinner parties are, well, I think he has four Muppet guests. Okay. There's a pig couple and then there's another couple. Okay. The pigs look pretty normal. His other pair of guests at this party are, again, hideous disgusting freak muppets <laughs> one of them is like a toad man and then the other one has like like uh warthog like tusks like like a, a underbite teeth sticking up um and looks like a, a big lizard woman <laughs> It's just this couple is they're truly repulsive in a way that delights me because like one again, one of the things I love about the world of the Muppets is like not every Muppet is like cute and adorable. Some of them look like fucked up. <laughs> um, so I just love that two of uh, Fred's party guests are these like weird <laughs> disgusting sewer muppets <laughs> um but yeah uh, fret they're gonna play yes and no which is another line delivery i remember as a kid yes and it's it's just 20 questions uh and the uh what what what's the what's the insult because fred is fred is scrooge but uh whoever guesses it is like an unwanted creature that no one loves or something like yeah, that yeah ebenezer scrooge right, right, right. yeah it's like a yeah creature that nobody wants around but it's not a cockroach or yeah. a, or a, a raccoon or whatever um and yeah and it's and it's scrooge um and, and this is in every adaptation of a christmas carol every single one because this comes straight from the source material i'm always like okay i get it scrooge has been mean and rude to everybody and so we're having a little laugh at his expense on the other hand, nephew Fred is supposedly the one who's like inviting him around for dinner and like wants to hang out with him and is like open to uh, making this guy like a uh, more a uh, more pleasant person to be around, right? And it's like he's the one making a joke at his expense at his Christmas party, like where he's absent, right? <laughs> right. So like joking about him behind his back, and I'm like, nephew Fred's kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> like, yeah, Scrooge is like mean, but also like you're being nice to his face and then you're being really rude behind his back <laughs> and i think it's fred's wife who actually guesses that it's scrooge and, yes. and leads into it that with that insult um but yeah uh everyone just hates him yeah and yeah. um including including fred who is the nicest to him <laughs> yeah um we go to the the poorer section of town and it's kermit's house it's bob cratchit's house mm -hmm. uh we see miss piggy as uh kermit's wife um there's a we have to just to check back in with gonzo and rizzo uh rizzo falls down the chimney and then lands on top of a goose that's roasting <laughs> in the fire pit and then he starts like his his feet get hot so he starts like dancing on the ghost as oh, it's, yeah, and the, the goose is his rotis <laughs> rotating we um, also sorry we also yeah. missed a really good piece of gonzo and rizzo shtick earlier yeah. which we should call out okay which is the light the lamp not the rat like this the is, lamp not the rat like the lamp not the rat this is the this is in the past sequence <laughs> Gonzo and then is, he falls into a frozen bucket. Yes. And then, and then so Rizzo gets lit on fire by Gonzo, who's like lighting a street lamp. And then he falls into a frozen bucket and becomes a ratsicle. He becomes I died. Like a, a I died. A just he's a frozen rat on a stick because Gonzo sticks a stick in the bucket for him to grab onto. And then Gonzo smashes him like he has. He's carrying frozen Rizzo on a stick and he like smashes him against like a wall or something so that the ice breaks. 
<laughs> it's very, very funny. Like just very funny, like cartoony silliness. Um, but we did we did glaze over that one, so I wanted to call that out while we were here. <laughs> um, we get the shot of Kermit and Tiny Tim. So Tiny Tim is Robin the Frog. Yes, Robin the Frog, who canonically is Kermit the Frog's nephew. Okay. Yes. Um, we get the shot of Kermit and Tiny Tim walking down the street, singing with Tiny Tim on Kermit's shoulder. Yes. This is the best shot in this movie. It's incredible. It is. It, it fills me with joy. It is another beautiful technical marvel to look at. It's yeah. just like we are watching this full size puppet. Um, these full these full size puppets walk down the street singing, and 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 it's so good. Mm-hmm. I it it I again, don't know how they did it. Yeah, again, it's one of those moments where like they don't feel like puppets to you. They just feel like honest to God characters that are just in front of the, in front of the camera. Right. And like all of the technical stuff, um, is it completely invisible to you? It's, it's, it's magic. Like we talked about. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So Kermit and Robin get home and, uh, here we, <laughs> we have Miss Piggy, Miss Piggy, another one of my favorite Muppets, um, as, uh, obviously Bob Cratchit's wife, uh, Emily <laughs> Cratchit. She gets a first name in this, which I don't think she has in the Dickens story. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so so Kermit comes home, Bob Cratchit comes home um, and <laughs> funny, funny moment. And again, just kind of like Muppet lore stuff here where uh, um, uh, when Kermit comes home and uh, Miss Piggy is greeting him, um, she's she calls him Cratchy. Oh, Cratchy. <laughs> um, and then they're like hugging and uh, it, it's going on for a while. And Kermit's like, oh, Amy. And then sh- there's like a squeak sound effect. And Kermit reacts as if his ass has been grabbed. <laughs> <laughs> which is just like just the 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 lore thing with kermit and miss piggy is that miss piggy is like ferociously horny for kermit at all times <laughs> so it's yeah uh just a fun way to add that into this story where they're like playing other characters uh, they sit down to dinner and uh kermit offers a toast to mr scrooge for for uh providing for them and and all that and miss piggy's having none of this oh yeah she's like eat the fucking rich. She yes. is, she is ready to uh, burn the system down in this movie. And I love that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a line straight from Dickens, but is even better when Miss Piggy delivers it, which is, uh, if he was here, I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast upon. And I <laughs> bet he would choke on it. Um, yeah. Uh, just great stuff. Frank Oz, uh, doing the voice of Miss Piggy, just, uh, cinematic excellence. <laughs> and I should say, uh, the voice of Kermit in this movie, because yes. Jim Henson had passed away. Right. Uh, Jim Henson, of course, had previously voiced Kermit. Um, this is Steve Whitmire, I believe. Yes. Uh, I was looking for it in my notes. Steve Whitmire, who does a great job with this. Yeah. Kermit sounds a little different in Christmas Carol than he did in the stuff uh, from the Henson era, but it's not a noticeable enough difference that it's going to throw anybody who's a fan. Uh, I don't think a lot of people had complaints about it at the time. And he he delivers all of the emotion, all of the pathos that you need from a Kermit voice performance. He does a, he does an amazing job. I love Steve Whitmire's uh, Kermit stuff. Yeah. 
um so yeah here um yeah piggy has her little rant about how uh you know yeah they, mr scrooge put the food on the table but also he could put a lot more food on the table if he right. would pay you a living wage right <laughs> um they sing uh the song bless us all yeah. which is just kind of nice and sweet it's i it's a robin the frog singing yeah. a sweet little song which happens a lot in the muppets that, it, that also was a big staple on the muppet show is if you ever needed like a like a little emotional number it's usually robin the frog yeah the and he's, he's singing in his weak little tiny tim voice yes and coughing uh, at the end <laughs> it's it's sweet and nice it's kind of unmemorable yeah i think this sound i think the soundtrack has a couple of really strong bangers and then everything else is passable yeah like i don't feel strongly about them one way or another they're all they'll do the job for yeah. me um which i don't remember the songs in muppet treasure island all that much that is a, a bit of a flaw that I have with this movie, but the ones that work, Marley and Marley, the Scrooge song at the beginning. Um, what about? Is a feeling on a street corner? Quiet. Yeah, it feels like it feels like Christmas. Christmas is good too. <laughs> Wherever you find love, um, I'm singing too much on this episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. No, I agree. This song, this the the bless us all song, is probably my least favorite song on the soundtrack. It's the one that does the least for me. Um, but that being said it still totally works for me as a moment in the movie, like an emo as an emotional movement. It's still the song fits that, like you were saying, totally yeah. serviceably. Um, it just, it's nothing special for me. Um, that being said, you get Robin the frog singing a little emotional song, regardless of the quality of the song itself, I'm probably going to be about to cry. <laughs> so, um, speaking of which, we're about to get into the parts of this movie where I did actually cry. Okay. Um, and I want to introduce, because th this has happened on a couple of previous episodes where I cried watching the movie. Uh, it's happened on About Time and also on Lady Hawk. Um, so those ones are grandfathered in. But moving forward, starting here, I am going to introduce on episodes where I cried watching the movie, the Justice Cry Count. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the way that this is going to work is I'm going to ask you how many times you thought I cried watching this movie. And then at the end, we'll, we'll eventually get the real answer when I hit all the moments. So David, how many times do you think I cried? How many cry how many times have you cried so far? I in, cried in this movie? Oh, zero so far. Okay. Zero so far. I'm gonna this, guess five. Five times? Okay. Yeah. David's guess is five. Um just for context, Lady Hawk, I cried three times. About time I cried twice, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I cried once during about time, but it's the whole like last 20 minutes of the movie from from the Nick Cave needle right. drop to the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which um, still counts as once. Um, but yeah, so it was, a, it was an extended cry session. So David's official guess is five separate times. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, we, we have Bless Us All, which didn't make me cry, but definitely was priming me okay. <laughs> to start crying. Um, and yeah, and from here, uh, we have like the the Scrooge Tell Me Spirit Will Tiny Tim Live. Uh, the spirit kind of is like, well, I can't tell the future, but I see an empty crutch in, in the chimney corner um, or an empty chair in the chimney corner and a crutch without an owner. Um, so he's basically like, if these shadows remain unaltered, the child will die. Um, and uh, then they go, they leave the Cratchit house um, and go to the graveyard. Um, and this is where in the original Dickens story and in some adaptations, the ignorance and want scene happens, which you, I guess you don't know about ignorance and want. I, uh, it, it rings a bell. You know what? Maybe I have seen a stage adaptation, adaptation of a Christmas Carol. Okay. I don't recall. Yeah. But tell me about ignorance and want. Yes. 
So uh, very briefly, um, in the original Dickens story and in some adaptations, the, the way that the Ghost of Christmas Present uh, sequence ends is that after he shows Scrooge everything, the last thing he shows him is he opens up his cloak and there's two little deformed gremlin children under his coat um and their their names are ignorance and want there's a boy named uh ignorance and a girl named want um and uh, beautiful dickensian prose uh where he describes how basically um both of them are sort of like the downfall of mankind and how scrooge needs to beware of ignorance and want but mostly ignorance right where he needs to he has a responsibility to not be ignorant of the the struggles and suffering of his fellow man how he's like um how he should confront it and um you know par participate actively in community right um and not just siphon himself off in his like ivory tower where he can ignore everybody else's problems is basically the point of the whole like ignorance and want thing i get why they cut it for the muppet version <laughs> because i don't know how you deliver that kind of heady message um by presumably putting two muppets under <laughs> the ghost of christmas presents cloak and being like this muppet is ignorance this muppet is want have they been there the whole time Beware them both in all of their degree yeah it is just it's like uh huffing all those those farts that he's ripping <laughs> under that cloak all those all those farts from all that christmas just dutch in there <laughs> <laughs> yeah no no wonder uh ignorance uh is is his brain don't work so good he's got methane he's breathing methane fumes constantly um <laughs> Uh, yep. So uh, at this point, I, I, the the ghost of Christmas present has grown old and gray and uh, disappears. And this fog takes over Scrooge and he uh, flees into the graveyard. And um, we have to talk about the ghosts of Christmas yet to come. Mm -hmm. Uh, suddenly we're in a black metal album cover. Yes. As this hooded, this hooded thing. Yes. Uh, enters enters through the fog and into you uh, my nightmares as yeah. a child oh, so yeah. so this and later later on um in harry potter and the sorcerer's stone yeah when they're in the forbidden forest and they see voldemort but it's it's squirrel yeah feeding on the unicorn blood in the cloak yeah sucking up that unicorn juice the i i developed a fear of cloaked figures yeah and the design of this this muppet for the ghosts of christmas yet to come ghosts of christmas future is horrifying it's so scary it's first of all massive it yeah. is towering over michael kane and then its arms are longer than they should be its arms are disproportionately long right which you get really you get a really good look at when it um it's, it takes Scrooge into the future and there's kind of like this spirally CGI effect that they walk into. Mm -hmm. it, it turns around and you see it from the back and it kind of puts one of its arms around his shoulder and you can see how freakishly long its arm is. It reminded me a lot of in the first Nightmare on Elm Street when Freddy Krueger has his arms like stretched way out <laughs> to, to the opposite sides of the alley um, in like the first dream sequence in that movie. It's like really like, yeah, it's like nightmare imagery. It's so freaky. Um, and its hood is just fully empty. Like, it's, yeah, it's not like you can. It's not like its hood is um, like. Uh, veiling some kind of face in there in shadows, right? It, you can see the back of the of the hood, 
it's just empty. Yeah. It, which is some, I think that's scarier than it just being like a hood with blackness underneath. It's like a hood where you can clearly see that there is no head in there. Well, and the other thing is the hood is, is closed at the bottom. So yeah. it is, it is also just, it's just like a hole kind of cut into this, <laughs> this, this fabric, which by the way, the master um, did say looked like a butthole. <laughs> well, well, I was going to say like, and, and around the edge of the hood is this kind of like swirling effect. And it is like looking into the void. Like yes. the face of this thing is just this, this formless shapeless void. Yes. The butthole of the void. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, brown starfish of the great beyond <laughs> um but jesus christ this thing was horrifying to me as a child yes um yeah no it is it's so freaky it also has these like pallid zombie-like hands um which are like they do articulate like the hands do like the fingers move but they move in like a really weird like kind of limp way that is also very like uncanny and disturbing like the way it points it kind of is like like it it doesn't really like fully gesture it's just kind of the suggestion of movement it's very freaky and weird um so yeah it takes scrooge into the future uh and gonzo and rizzo are like hey it's gonna get scary we're getting out of here before the end no and we should we should talk about this how did you feel about this choice watching it uh this time i think with like more like now your brain, as opposed to when you were a child, is like more developed to um, be able to identify yeah. like, ch- choices in screenplays and like the tone and like st- the, the construction of how a movie is supposed to be making you feel. Right. Right. How do you feel about the choice to have Gonzo and Rizzo leave the movie for the yet to come sequence? I think it's the correct choice. Yeah, I agree. I this movie um, is dark mm-hmm. and it is does have a bit of an edge to it and the lessons that scrooge has to learn and and therefore the lessons that we as the viewer have to learn are v- really hammered home in this sequence mm-hmm. um and not having a break from that not having a reprieve uh or you know a joke that we can cut away to with with those guys um, is is important for the thematic uh, the, the things that the movie is trying to teach you here. Yeah. Um, and and you know they show up at the end and everything's good and great. Um, and and I like that too. We need that at the end. We need that joy at the end. But um, this this sequence resonated with me a lot. Now that I'm older and have things that I regret. Mm-hmm. And have things that I want to change about myself. You know, I'm not I'm not a greedy moneylender, but I think we all have uh, we all have bad qualities to ourselves that are are holding us back as people and holding us back from uh, experiencing the fullness of life and experiencing great relationships with people. Yeah, and. I was reflecting on those during this whole sequence. Yeah. And that reflection is enabled by the fact that they kind of remove the comic relief. Right. Yeah. I completely agree. 100%. I I just wanted to kind of get your feelings on it because this is something I feel really strongly about. I'm like great fucking choice in the screenplay to uh, have Gonzo and Rizzo exit and intentionally and, um, and, uh, like specifically point out their exit to the audience saying like this part is more intense 
we are leaving you here to to reckon with that and we will be back later to have more fun right and there's still jokes in this sequence with other muppets Mm -hmm. um they walk through the portal and there's a bunch of pig muppets talking about someone who just died yeah and one of them quips like i'll go to his funeral if lunch is provided and and stuff like that (laughs) yes again straight from dickens good dickens joke oh it is okay yep i don't mind going if lunch is provided yep uh yeah that's that's all uh big charlie d um and um then yeah so from there we then go to this kind of like hovel in like a disgusting part of london i love this freaky little disgusting spider muppet yeah old joe yeah is he is he a a character no well i i don't think the spider muppet this was one that the podmaster asked me about last okay. night as well. I think this spider Muppet has been in other things, but I think he's in other things so seldom that he's not a Muppet that I know the name of. Okay. Muppet Christmas Carol is definitely the, the most he's ever been in something, um, I think. Um, but the character's name in A Christmas Carol, not the Muppet's name, is Old Joe. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm discovering between this and Rango, I, I love a spider in a top hat, I yes. guess. <laughs> yeah. And he is, he, uh, when we were watching it last night, the podmaster was like, I do not like him. She was like, it, she was really getting freaked out by old Joe because he's, he's really big. Yeah. And his, his legs move independently he's a spider so he's got eight legs there's a really good moment so what's happening here anyone who is familiar with the christmas carol will already know that basically all of these disgusting uh street people are um uh selling off the possessions of some guy who just died um and old joe is the one buying them right yeah um so they sell him like uh his his bed curtains and his sheets and some other stuff um and there's a really good moment where I think it's they hand him uh, the sheets. Mrs. Dilber hands him the sheets and old Joe, it, it goes from he grabs it with like his front most leg. And then there's a shot from behind him where you can see he's handing the sheets to each leg behind that. So it like goes. He's got like the four legs on that side and he just hands it like first legs, hands it to the second leg, second leg, hands it to the third leg. And I was like, again, amazing just technical thing in this movie where you're like how the hell did they do that and it's for like it's for nothing it's just for this one shot you know it's it's so impressive and so cool and and lends some creepiness to old joe because it's like yeah he's like moving all his legs independently like a real spider which is very freaky and gross (laughs) and uh this this whole time uh scrooge is asking the ghost about you know who is this awful man that they're talking about and the ghost doesn't answer because uh the ghost of christmas yet to come communicates only an ominous pointing yes and and uh i think the score is speaking for him as well yeah (laughs) because there's this like deep string uh kind of musical motif that happens basically every time the ghost of christmas present points and so it's like the it's almost like the score is answering michael kane yeah uh instead of like speech yeah this like i said this is the black metal album cover portion of the movie yeah uh and um so then we go to bob cratchit's house kermit's house uh and uh and and scrooge is like oh we're at bob cratchit's house a place of joy and laughter and fuck tiny tim is dead yeah there's a, before before they go before they go in scrooge has a great very ominous uh line 
where he's like talking about how, oh, it was so good. We're at the Cratchit house. Like David was just saying, like, this is going to be not really nice here. And then he goes, it's so quiet, spirit. Why is it so quiet? And it's just this was this was the moment. The tears are entering my eyes and Tiny Tim is dead and I'm crying. So this is cry number one in this movie. Okay. Uh, I cannot handle Kermit the Frog being sad. I will cry every time. Yeah, I don't care about Tiny Tim. Yeah. But Kermit being sad and doing his little sad yeah. Muppet face. Yes. And and is very good. Steve Whitmire's vocal performance where he as Kermit is kind of choking up and like having a hard time speaking. It's just it works so well for me. Yeah. So basically, like it's the repeat of the Cratchit scene from before where uh, Mrs. Cratchit is like making the the Christmas goose or whatever. Um, and uh, Bob Cratchit's coming home, but he's coming home, home alone this time because Tiny Tim is dead. And he's coming home after picking. Yeah. Picking a plot for. uh uh, for Tiny Tim to be buried in yeah. that like overlooks overlooks the lake with the ducks. Yeah. Um and I'm just bawling, man. Is this is this a, I feel like is this your second cry? cry right is this your second cry or is this still the same cry? This is still the same cry. Okay. I've been crying continuously basically since Michael Caine delivers the it's so quiet. Why is it so quiet? I'm like tears are like gradually coming out of my eyes through this whole thing. Uh they sit down for dinner and uh, Kermit says what I'm assuming is another line from Dickens, which is life is a series of meetings and partings mm. as they're talking about uh, Tiny Tim's passing and uh, we sort of pan up past the table to the empty chair next to the fireplace with yep. the little crutch leaning up against it. Yep. And, and it's still the same cry, but definitely the crying intensifies when I see that tiny crutch. <laughs> um, yeah. And so that's the Cratchit house. Uh, and then from there, it's the great, the graveyard. Yeah. The yet to come sequence doesn't go on for very long. Yeah. Uh, as a child, it lasted for an eternity. Yeah, no. A it, waking nightmare. It's I... always surprising as an adult to revisit this and be like, yeah, it's really not. None of these sequences are really that long. Yeah, they, I mean, the movie overall is 90 minutes mm -hmm. and extremely well paced. Yeah. Breezes by. Oh, totally. Um, but uh, Scrooge is totally breaking down at this point. Michael Caine is giving it his all in this scene, mm -hmm. uh, crying his eyes out and, and, and ask asking the spirit and i think he knows i yes. think he knows when this he is, asks this which is this I, is a thing by the way yeah. so in in the original dickens story right it's not spelled out for you whether scrooge already knows what's going to be on that stone or if he truly has deluded himself so successfully that he doesn't have any idea that it's him who is dead <laughs> right um i think the stronger choice when someone is playing scrooge is always for scrooge to know and to not want to to accept the truth, even though he already knows it. And Michael Caine is fully going that route, and it he's playing it so well. Yeah, um, really, really excellent uh, performance in this scene. Yeah, excellent, excellent work here. Scrooge's name is on the grave. Yeah, and uh, I uh, am crying for the second time. Okay, that's two, folks. Yes. So I when he wipes the snow off the stone he's like really reluctant to do it and then he does it and he just breaks down i was crying with michael Caine this time yeah and a lot of it was that was hitting me was the thing that you were talking about before um with this yet to come sequence where it kind of does make you think about your own mistakes and your own failings and how yeah. you as a person want to change and that's definitely part of what was informing why why i was crying so much <laughs> 
when when Michael Caine was breaking down here because I was like, yeah, I also would like redemption. Yeah, you know, and he he falls at the foot of uh, the ghost's cloak and grabs onto it and is pleading with him and is yeah. like, I'll change, I'll learn the lessons of of past, present, and future, and and I'll change. And he wakes up in bed. Yep, on Christmas morning, uh, and. Scrooge, uh, Scrooge, there's a, so there's a, there's a running gag with Gonzo and Rizzo where Rizzo is always falling off of something or getting knocked off of something. <laughs> Both Gonzo and Rizzo are sitting outside of Scrooge's window. Yes. They and returned because the yet to come sequence yeah, is over. He's like, Oh, that was heavy. Uh, we're back now for fun times. And, uh, Scrooge throws the windows open and knocks both of them off. And yes. I think it's the first time that Gonzo has fallen off of something here. Yeah. And it is really funny because right before that happens, like uh, Rizzo's like, are you, are you sure it's safe to be up here? And Gonzo's like, Scrooge has been redeemed. What could possibly happen? <laughs> they both just go flying. Uh, so it's, it's the classic you boy in the street. What day is it? Yeah. And it's, uh, it's the bunny from earlier that yes. he, uh, that he, he, he bullied and, and, and assaulted. <laughs> Chucked a wreath at, yeah. Um, which, by the way, also way, way earlier, um, we do get a little shot of Bean Bunny uh, wrapped in newspaper, shivering in the street, <laughs> which is also very sad. Um, I, I didn't cry at it, but I almost did. So it's always nice at the end of this movie to see that Bean Bunny uh, lived through the night and didn't freeze to death <laughs> wrapped in newspaper but yeah so scrooge is like go buy the big the big turkey at the butcher shop around the corner he's gonna give it to bob cratchit and then scrooge gets dressed in all his finest he goes out into the street um he's ready to spread holiday cheer because he, he says merry christmas to everyone he yep. says merry christmas to gonzo and rizzo one of the few moments in the movie where they interact with another with a character in the story yeah um uh, it's great. It's happy. We're dancing through the streets. He and runs into Beaker and Honeydew. Yes. To donate money. Yep. And okay. I'm glad you brought this up. I was actually about to gloss over it, but I'm glad you brought it up because what happens here is Scrooge gives a donation to the charity. Right. Um, and uh, they're like, Bunsen Honeydew is basically like, oh, I wish there was something we could do for you. And Beaker takes off his little scar. Did you cry? I cried. That's number three. <laughs> I cried when Beaker gave I so Beaker giving him the scarf I was like welling up and then Michael Caine says a gift for me and I that's what made me cry was Michael Caine's reaction I was just like oh I can't, I can't handle this <laughs> I can't handle Beaker giving him a little scarf and him being all grateful um and then there's a, a song here yeah um, thankful heart yes um which this is what I was talking about before where Michael Caine not the strongest singer, but I think fully makes up for it in just committing to the emotion of this number. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's a great scene of, of him giving gifts to so many people. He leaves little uh, baskets of coal for the book, uh, the, his, his bookkeepers uh, to warm the fire. He visits Fred's Christmas party and uh, delivers gifts and, and leaves. He's spreading holiday cheer uh, high and low through yeah. the streets of London. Yep. Um, he ends up at uh, Bob Cratchit's house. Um, this is where Scrooge decides to play a little prank. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's going to do a little bit here. Yes, he does a little uh, bit. We do also see him uh, meet with uh, the schoolmaster. With, with Sam the Eagle oh, that's and right. Fozzie and Fozzie Bear. Yes, and they're like in an old folks home, yeah. which is like very funny. Um, so 
Scrooge is basically like Bob Cratchit opens the door. Scrooge is basically like, uh, you know, why aren't you at work today? Uh, Bob Cratchit's like, you gave me the day off. And he's like, does it seem, do I seem like the kind of person who would do something like that? <laughs> and he's kind of quaking in his boots. And then Miss <laughs> Piggy intervenes. And she, this is my favorite Miss <clears throat> Piggy moment of the whole movie. Yeah. Um, Cause he, uh, Scrooge is, is trying to, get the punchline out right which is that he's not actually mad at bob cratchit he's actually here to raise his salary right so he's like i have decided to raise your salary and miss piggy goes why don't i raise you right off the pavement <laughs> which, which gets such a huge laugh from me every time um and then yeah and so then the other shoe drops and they realize that scrooge has has uh changed a thing that i don't think is in the dickens story that i think they added for this version is that in addition to raising bob cratchit's salary um and paying for all of tiny tim's medical treatment he's also gonna pay off the mortgage on their house which i don't think is a dickens thing and i'm like that's a cool thing for the muppet version of this to add yeah right that he's gonna like also pay off their home <laughs> um but yeah and so then this is a big party a big bob party cratchit's. every every muppet in the movie is there yep uh, those disgusting Ray Winstone horses are. <laughs> Everyone's partying at the at the, the Cratchit house. The love we found. <laughs> Sorry, I'm now yeah. picturing Ray Winstone. And, there. <laughs> and and this is the song that reprises the melody from the uh, uh, the, the the boring kid song or the boring song that kids shut off at yes. the beginning of the movie. And as we are panning out of the house to the love we found and going up back over these miniature roofs. And with some closing narration by uh, Gonzo, uh, I am crying once again. So this is the fourth time. Okay. So this is the final time in the movie. So you were one off. Uh, but the justice cry count for Muppet Christmas Carol is four. <laughs> uh, oh, and uh, Tiny Tim says, God bless us, everyone. As Tiny Tim is wont to do. That's 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 his line. That's his thing. <laughs> that's, that's what he's here for. Oh. And he doesn't die. And Scrooge is a second father to him, and all that. Yeah. And all that. Yes. All, all that. that all that. Stuff. All that holiday cheer. Yeah. Justice. Yeah. We have reached the end of this episode. Tell yes. me, is the Muppet Christmas Carol the greatest movie ever? made yes the muppet christmas carol is the greatest movie ever made i don't even know if i have that much else to say about it other than i have been in in a weird kind of funk kind of like we were talking about before one of those waves of depression that just happened to us now since 2020 um and watching this movie made me feel good in my soul and i think that that is in large part to the the powerful force for uh for empathy and for um joy and and uh caring about humanity that Jim Henson was able to create uh via the world of the muppets i just think that they they speak to my spirit <laughs> um and i think that this movie um, I, we didn't really talk about it uh, in terms of like how I feel about the other Muppet movies. This is probably my second favorite Muppet movie. Okay. Um, this is probably second to the Muppet movie, the first one um, for me. Um, I'll, I'll always put that one above this because that one has some better jokes. It also has Rainbow Connection, which talk about stuff that gets me crying. <laughs> um, but uh, but it's 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 really up there for me. So this is one of my one of the my favorite Muppet 
uh, properties is the, is the Christmas Carol movie. Um, and, and it, yeah, it makes me feel, it makes me feel good. It makes me happy. It, it brightens up, uh, the dark parts of my life. And I think that that's exactly what something like this should do. Um, I think that's exactly what the story of a Christmas Carol is meant to do. It's supposed to make us believe that, um, that we ourselves are capable of kindness um, and that our fellow man is worthy of receiving kindness from us. Um, and I think that this is the best way that this story has ever been told. Uh, so yes, David, uh, in addition to all of that, by the way, it's hilarious and it's also a technical marvel and it's also full of wall-to-wall banger songs. So uh, Muppet Christmas Carol is the greatest movie ever made. David, is The Muppet Christmas Carol, a movie with a justice cry count of four, <laughs> the greatest movie ever made? Justice. Yes. Um... I have to say that it's a Christmas miracle for the third time in the history of this podcast. I am happy to sit here with you and say that, yes, the Muppet Christmas Carol is the greatest fucking movie ever made. We did it, folks. <laughs> we got one. <laughs> um, yeah, everything that you said. I, don't, I really don't know what I can add. I can't think of a better family Christmas movie to put on. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think this movie is perfect. I, I wouldn't count it among my favorites of all time outside of the facetious conceit of this podcast. <laughs> um, but I, I can't think of anything better to really spread holiday cheer and uh, make, you know, remind us that we should all be a little bit kinder to ourselves and kinder to other people. And if we treated each other with more generosity and more care and more gentleness, the world would be a better place. And there's no better time to do that than the holiday season. Uh, I had a, it was a, it was a pleasure and a joy to interrupt my Godzilla marathon with uh, some Kermit the Frog and some Sir Michael Caine and some Up a Christmas Carol. So yes, I wholeheartedly agree. The Muppet Christmas Carol is the greatest movie ever made. Whew, I am. Wow. I'm going to cry again. <laughs> uh, yeah, there it is. That's the Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, thanks for suggesting this. Oh, I'm yeah. so glad we watched this again. We'll, we will be uh, re-entering the world of the Muppets at some point in the future of this podcast. Yeah, well. when we were coming up with ideas, Justice's contribution on his list was literally any Muppet movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I would talk about all of them on this. Yeah. Podcast. And I've only other, the only other ones I've seen are treasure Island. And I yeah. saw Muppets from space that one time. I think that so I'd love to watch the other ones. I think the next ones we should, one of the next ones we should do it, it. We should either do the Muppet movie next, or we should do the great Muppet caper next. And I'm, I'm kind of feel like as much as I love the Muppet movie, and I think it's my number one Muppet movie of all time, I kind of think the great Muppet caper should be our, uh, the next one we tackle because that I think is better fodder for this podcast. Okay. Um, but yeah, we'll put a, put a pin in that. Yeah. <laughs> I love schemes and I love capers. So yes. it's also like one of the like wackiest and most anarchic of the movies. Um, it's also probably the horniest one. <laughs> um, so yeah. Next week we are tackling uh, the oldest movie that we've covered on the show so far. Mm -hmm. We are talk talking about a legitimate classic. AFI Top 100 material. Sunset Boulevard. I have not seen this movie. I have seen this movie once. Okay. Uh, it's directed by Billy Wilder who was known for doing comedies and then he landed double indemnity. And then after double indemnity, he did this and he basically created the 
best film noir movies of that era, or at the very least, the quintessential film noir movies of the, of this era. Um, Double Indemnity, great movie. Uh, Sunset Boulevard is one that I need to revisit, and so I'm glad we're talking about it. Um, in the meantime, we would just like to say we hope you have a great holiday season, whatever it is you're celebrating. If if I could have but one Christmas wish, if I could wish upon a star on this Christmas, <laughs> it would be for you to leave a review of the podcast. Yes. There is one review that I'm aware of, and it is written by our own Justice Burkett. No, it's definitely written by someone who's not, who's not me and who is not a host of this podcast. Um, but, it says in the review that it's not one of the hosts of the podcast. Uh, but uh, we're, we're 16 episodes in. We know you guys have been listening to for a while just 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 drop us a, a short review on your uh podcast service of choice and that would mean the world to us this christmas uh and from us we wish you all a happy holidays happy hanukkah happy kwanzaa and uh whatever it is whatever it is that you're celebrating merry festivus yeah um <laughs> so merry christmas to all and to all later, later dipshits, dipshits. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Greatest Movie Ever Made. Please remember to leave us a rating and a review, and to subscribe to the show wherever you listen. We appreciate you supporting the show and spreading the word. Tell your friends to listen. Tell your enemies to listen. Tell your mom to listen. If your neighbor has an unsecured Bluetooth speaker, connect to it and play an episode. You can follow us on social media at TGMEM underscore podcast. And if you've got a movie that you want us to talk about, send us an email at thegreatestmoviepodcast at gmail.com.